Hello, hockey fans, and thanks for tuning in to the Vegas Hockey Podcast once again. I'm Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa. We're kind of doing a rehash of uh, a show we had in the can, and uh, we had some audio and technical difficulties during the recording that I couldn't really repair. So we're we're bringing back in Felix Sicard. He covers the Anaheim Ducks for the Hockey Writers. You guys can follow him on Twitter at Felix underscore Sicard, S-I-C-A-R-D. If you're Ducks fans, he always has good content covering the team. And I know from talking last time that he's got really good insight to basically everything going on in Anaheim right now. Felix, thanks for taking the time to come back and redo the show apologize for the the difficulties we had on the last audio but it was a great conversation i wanted to get get you back in we could update the show a little bit and cover some deadline stuff and and look ahead to where both teams are are headed here come uh playoff time so felix welcome and thank you again for coming back it's good to be back i'm i'm excited to, to do the redo <laughs> it is it's like the ducks part due uh exactly it, yeah. it was it was good last time so last time we we started off the uh the conversation talking about early in the season the the fancy pick and and the the trendy pick i guess and rightfully so was to have the ducks unseat the hawks in the west at least and a lot of a lot of uh nhl network guys and whatnot had the ducks winning the stanley cup this year and the season didn't quite start as well as it could have. They, you know, all year long they've been playing great defense. Their goals against or goals allowed was under two, and if it isn't still, it's right there at two. For I mean, for months and months to have a team go with like a one point eight goals allowed is phenomenal defensive hockey. But they just weren't putting the puck in the net. And I alluded last time. I thought it had something to do. You know, after you get to Game 7 in the Western Conference Finals and uh, kind of give it up on home ice there, there's probably that little bit of a hangover. But also, uh, management there decided to, to lose six or seven roster players that were actually pretty key contributors to that, that Conference Final team from a year ago. Um, talk a little bit about, about the start of the season and... The chemistry that I I, I kind of say it's just, it was just bringing in the new line mates, getting the line set, learning to play together, juggling things around, and I think Boudreaux did a pretty good job, um, you know, mixing, matching, moving stuff around until you finally started to hit that stride right right after the Christmas break. So talk talk a little bit about the early season and and the growth to where they are now, which is the hottest team in hockey. Yeah, well, it's just kind of funny because a lot of people are saying, oh, the Ducks are the, the turnaround team of the year. Uh, you know, what, what, a, what an amazing comeback. But, I mean, this is who we expected them to be, right? I mean, I, I know for, for sure. myself going through this season, I expected them to be exactly where they are right now. Uh, not to get on a high horse or anything, but, you know, like they seem like a pretty good team on paper. And it, it just took a little while to iron that out early on in the season. They sort of had some difficulty both adjusting to the new faces I do think that that's a real thing because, you know, you look at the rosters rising tonight, for example, and let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six of the, of your top forwards on that, in that lineup weren't on the team last year. So that kind of shows you right there how much roster turnover there's been. So that took a little while. There were some strategic adjustments that Bruce Butcher made, um, in the beginning of the season that really backfired right away. One that, one that sort of caught my attention is, um, Last year in the in the playoffs, the, the Western Conference Finals, the Ducks were a bit burned by the speed of the Blackhawks. And I think to sort of mitigate that in the beginning of the season, they played a sort of uh, a looser defensive gap, sort of letting forwards enter the zone a little bit easier. That way they wouldn't get caught in the neutral zone. And that severely backfired. If you look at some of the Ducks' shot differentials in the beginning of the season, they really weren't good. And a lot of that can be attributed to the fact that they were letting forwards enter their zone really easily with control of the puck. So they sort of shored that up. Now they're, you could argue they're the best defensive team in the league, if not at least one of the best three. For sure. So, yeah, it's been a remarkable turnaround in that sense, considering where they were. But, you know, it's just kind of interesting to think that this is where we expect them to be right along. <laughs> no, for sure, 100%. Um, interesting you say that because one of the things, being a Kings fan, it's always 
you know, the last five, six years at least, going going through that neutral zone and maintaining possession over the blue line was almost impossible <laughs> to do against the Ducks team. And one thing, and you alluded to it, that your shot differentials were, were way off um, in the early part of the season, and that was... You know, the getting out, once you let them into the zone with possession, it's hard to just turn around and, and transition the puck and get the offense generated going the other day, uh, the other way. Um, so, yeah, ironing ironing that out and tightening that neutral zone back up. I was talking to right before, right before we came on and uh, that last Ducks-Kings game in L.A., um, I wouldn't say the neutral zone was very sloppy in that game. That was <laughs> that was that was tight checking, and I, I love you, you called old time hockey just a breath before I did. That was uh, if they play each other in the playoffs, we get seven games of that. I'm gonna be just fine with that. That'll be good stuff. Chris, did you uh, did you want to jump in and 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 get a handle on some? Yeah, uh, Felix, I felt very quietly at the trade deadline, which was a quiet trade deadline, the Ducks really made a couple of really nice additions. And when you look at the big picture in terms of, you know, being in terms of general managers' moves, getting just great value. And one of the things that uh, from afar seems to have hurt the Ducks is having secondary, is the lack of secondary scoring. So to bring in Jamie McBain and Brandon Curry, and giving up a third round and a sixth round draft pick. Not that I don't value draft picks, I do. I felt those were just two really great moves. Uh, you know, again, they're not they're not star players, but they can really help that secondary scoring. How do you, how'd you how did you feel about that? Well, I, I thought it was a really. It, it's interesting because if you look at Bob Murray's tenure as the GM of the Anaheim Ducks, a lot of it has been he he, he swung for the fences a couple times. You know, especially if you look at the trade for Ryan Kessler, but he's done a really good job of adding value on the margin, especially for low cost. And you and you you spell it out perfectly. Jamie McGinn and Brandon Perry aren't guys who are going to necessarily turn your franchise's fortunes around or anything like that. But they're they're quality players, and to get them on the cheap and to get them on reasonable contracts, it was the same thing with uh, the addition of David Perron earlier in 2016, where Carl Hagelin clearly wasn't working out. And they dished off his contract, which was already extended at a four million dollar a year value for Perron, who's going to come off the books this summer. So they've he's quietly padded up sort of the like you said the depth, the secondary scoring, and without really giving much up. I'd like to also point to the last season. I thought this may be the, the greatest trade that Murray has pulled off yet was uh, trading Ben Lovejoy for Simon Dupre. Dupre is probably going to be a top pairing or at least top four defensemen in the NHL for the years to come. While Ken Lovejoy, I mean, you know, he's a, he's a good guy, a good interview, but just not really that caliber of player. So, yeah, Bob Murray's an excellent GM, and like you said, he's just really, he's become really good at adding value, you know, with with, with a little cost. Yeah, what's interesting, also in doing my research yesterday for the interview, uh, which I, uh, a lot of people don't know when you when you think of a team making deeper in the playoffs, right? You, you talk about you know team defense, goaltending, and specialty teams, and we've already hit on the Ducks uh, being one of the top good teams defensively. Obviously, they have two excellent goalies. Uh, they're both young. That's probably the only negative I can say about them. But they're they have playoff experience. And I don't know if people realize this, but going, I believe this was going into last night's game. The Ducks had the second-ranked power play and the number one penalty kill. So if you you know you put that all in a stew there, that's that's usually a formula for a team that uh, at bare minimum gets to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because it's funny bring that up because uh, even throughout the beginning of the season, where things were you know a little more up in the air, uh, the Ducks you know playoff hopes. Um, their, their penalty kill remained excellent, and their power play has always had a really nice setup. Uh, basically, it's more like set up in a diamond where they're really trying to shoot pucks at the net, get a lot of traffic in front, and just really just shoot the puck. And, you know, there's some really good east-west passing. And it sort of struggled a bit early in the season, but once Getzlaff 
started finding his groove a little bit more, and Ricard Raquel really took off. They've become a force to be reckoned with uh, in terms of special teams. And, you know, I think power plays are important, but I think mostly in the playoffs, you want a good penalty kill to sort of erase, you know, your you know momentary lapses in discipline. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really scary team in Anaheim, and it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Okay. I guess my last question for you is, um, you know, the Ducks right now, uh, it's up in the air. They can easily win the division. They can stay where they are at in the, the two seed. And, but the Sharks are also right behind them. So how important is it for the Ducks to, let's say, win the division and also in terms of uh, big picture in terms of a home ice standpoint? Well, that, that's a good question, and I think it's one worth asking because in, in, in certain divisions, you know, like, for example, out east, I think it is important to win your division if, if you're, if, if it's a, like for the Capitals especially, playing a team like Detroit who's just clearly inferior is going to be big for them. But out west, it's a lot different because the wild card teams, as we were talking about before the show, Nashville, Minnesota, potentially Colorado, although I just don't have much faith in them making it. Neither of those teams are really pushovers, so it is going to be big, I think, for Anaheim to get the best possible seating, you know, in hopes of just playing the the worst team possible, but in any in any event, it's gonna they're gonna have a tough first round matchup. Last year, Anaheim's road to the Western Conference Final was a lot easier. Um, they played Winnipeg in the first round, whom they swept, and then they played Calgary in the second round, who I think they beat in five right. games. So, yeah, uh, it, it's a lot different this year in San Jose. I mean, people are starting to talk about them a little bit more as a team that you know could could definitely make some noise in the playoffs. So, yeah, I think it's important to them, but I think. At the same time, it, it, it doesn't matter, matter quite as much because that first round is going to be tough no matter what. Imagine, I just had a thought. Imagine, because uh, I think San Jose is only about, I don't expect them to win the division, but they're only about four going into tonight's game. Uh, they're only about four points, if I got that right, out of first place. Yeah, five points. <laughs> yeah. yeah, imagine if they finished on a, just a t- on a hot streak. And then you had Kings Ducks in the first round, which mm. I don't think either team would would want, you know, because those are two teams that most people would predict uh, a lot. A lot of people would predict to be in the Stanley Cup Finals, and one would be gone after the first round. Yeah, well, that's. I mean, that's you're sort of preaching to the people who don't really like this playoff system because we've seen it in the Central a couple of years now. The St. Louis Blues would definitely be agreeing with you in that. Uh, you know, they're definitely one of those teams that could contend for the Cup, and yet they get a healthy dose of Chicago or Nashville in the first two rounds. That, that's just kind of not conducive to going going three, four rounds. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it would be a shame, but it also is going to be a hell of a series to, to yeah. see those two because nobody wants to go home early, especially not to your rival team. Right. And I, I would I would kind of take the other side of the coin on that, is that you look at St. Louis and think that they can contend, but you should be able to to play your way to the finals. And yeah, if you got to play a Chicago in the first round, you got to beat Chicago in the first round. You don't get a chance to warm up into the playoffs in, in the National Hockey League anymore. It's drop the puck, and if you're playing the Hawks, you got to beat the Hawks. If you're playing the Ducks, you got to beat the Ducks. So. I think maybe after this year, if the same thing happens again, I'm looking for changes in St. Louis. I think uh, I think Coach Hitchcock and and some of the staff and they might turn over some of the roster as well, because it's a good, solid, tight checking regular season team. But I just I don't think they're they're meant. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I don't I don't think they're a playoff team. Uh, built to to long haul it through the playoffs um let me take a break guys i gotta get off and and get some business done and felix if you could stick around for a little bit of the next segment we'll finish up on our ducks talk all right okay we'll be right back hello hockey fans and thanks for listening to the vegas hockey podcast make sure you check out all our episodes on soundcloud itunes and hockeytalkradio.us the Internet's first 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week, all-hockey-talk, radio-format streaming station. Check it out.
All right, hockey fans, we're back from the break. Thanks, uh, thanks for sticking with us. The show's carried on HockeyTalkRadio.us, so we got to give them their their thirty seconds to get their business done in in exchange for carrying us. And we appreciate uh, Coach Ch- Coach Chick Hisola out in Florida for putting the HockeyTalkRadio.us uh, radio station together for podcasters and coaches and instructionals that you can catch over there twenty four hours a day. So if you haven't yet, go check out HockeyTalkRadio.us. And we're back with Felix Sicard. He covers the Anaheim Ducks for the Hockey Writers. Um, we were we were talking just just for a second off the air uh, about the goalie situation and who's who's been getting the lion's share of the work here during the hot streak and c- playoff time. Who's going to be number one? Well, it's a, it's the million dollar question, right? right. I mean, uh, people are still writing about it almost on the daily about this topic, and I don't know. I mean, I think that it is worth considering who's going to be the number one because, obviously, you want to trust whoever's in net. But I'm, I'm sort of becoming of the mind that it, it just doesn't really matter because you look at when you compare the play of Anderson and the play of Gibson, no one's really pulling away in this race. And I think that Gibson, while he had great stats and he made the all-star team, that wasn't probably the writing the best play that Anaheim put up the entire season. That's when they really locked it down defensively and sort of roared back in the standings. Since that time, Gibson's leveled out a little bit, and since Anderson has come back, uh, I think he had the flu and got hurt. They've sort of been switching off, and, you know, I, I sort of gauge, like, who they're favoring by who's playing the bigger opponent. And so far, it's really hard to tell. Uh, if I had to guess, I would guess that Gibson will start game one. But I don't think, you know, history has shown that Bruce Boudreaux is not afraid of switching switching it somebody out and changing things up. And also, I mean, you look at, like, the Chicago Blackhawks last year as an example of, you know, the importance or maybe lack of importance of goaltending where, you know, Corey Crawford was struggling a bit and they put in Scott Darling for a couple of games just to sort of let Crawford refresh. Maybe nerves caught, caught up to him or something. And they put him right back in. So... Yeah, it's important to have a, a number one that you know that your your guys can depend on. But the way I look at the situation, I, I just think the way the Ducks are playing, it, it's not going to matter a whole lot. But it's a it's a fun thing to talk about, and that's why you still see it being so hotly debated on Twitter and whatnot. Right. Just, well, from afar, from afar, I, I view them as have a team that has two number one goalies. So that's I mean that's how I look at it, and. uh uh, and odds are you with Josh, uh, with Gibson signed, Josh Gibson. Um, I'm okay. Uh, with Gibson signed for the next number of, uh, locked up for the next number of years, and Anderson would be an RFA. I wonder subconsciously if that's going to have, you know, obviously they, the bottom line is winning. Whoever gives you the best chance to win, but at least to get to start the playoffs, that gives Gibson a little bit of the edge. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be, I, I think moving forward, you know, looking to the future, I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago. I do think that Anderson won't be back next year. Just if you look at the, the bigger picture, um, they're going to have to re-sign some quality players. I had this one home, Sammy Vatman and Ricard Raquel. And, you know, Anderson's going to ask for a raise, and he's deserved, he deserves to ask for a raise. He deserves to be paid more than he makes now because, He's a quality goaltender, and I don't think the Ducks are going to be willing to up his up his salary while you know they have Gibson locked up for I think the next three years at only two point three million. Could be a little off on those numbers. So you look at it this way: Anderson is twenty six, Gibson's twenty two. Gibson's only going to get better in the next three years, and his his salary is going to remain the same. So that contract is only going to appreciate in value. While Anderson's twenty six, and I'm not saying he's going to decline in the next three years, three four years, but He's no longer uh, a young gun like you know, like we see in Gibson. And for Gibson to be this good or as good as Anderson at this age, I think bodes really well for the next three years. Anderson to the Leafs. You heard it here first. <laughs> well, we'll see. So we talked a little bit about uh, your trade deadline acquisitions, and before we got on the got onto the goalie talk, I wanted you had mentioned before we started that uh, Perry was going to jump up and skate top line tonight with Getzloff. 
Um, where's he been skating? And um, I'm blanking. Jamie McGinn. Where where's he skating? And and is he short? I think he's third line, right? Brandon Perry. No, no. Jamie McGinn was playing third line, wasn't? Oh, uh, Jamie McGinn is uh, on the second line with Ricard Raquel and Corey Perry. Okay, and then did you say Peary was going to jump up and play top line tonight? Yeah, uh, he he's with Getzlaff on the first line. Is that his? Is that his first? Yes, that's his first time playing, right? With with Getzlaff. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't actually played for the Ducks yet since the trade deadline because he's been hurt. Oh, that's right. And that's so right. now tonight they're putting him on with Perron and Getzlaff. <laughs> Interesting. Throw him right in the fire, huh? Yeah, well, I think they've identified him as a skilled player who can sort of hang with Getzlaff and Perron on, like, I guess, an intellectual level. Because those two, I mean, they're phenomenal passers, and they're always looking to make, sort of make the perfect play. And I think that Peary, he adds a bit of simplicity to that line, but he can also think the game really well. And I think that they, I think that the Ducks coaching staff feels that he can fit right in because Chris Stewart was meshing really well with Perron and Getzlaff. And then, unfortunately, he was sidelined. Uh, he, he went down with an injury. I forget what the injury was, but he's, he's out, he was out for 48 weeks at the time. And, you know, that's, that was a tough blow. And they hadn't really replaced uh, that right-wing first-line spot up until now. So I think when they acquired Peary, they were sort of looking to him as perhaps the, the replacement for Stewart. And, you know, Chris Stewart's a fine player, but, like, you know, he's pretty replaceable. And, and if Peary can settle in on that line, I wonder – where Chris Stewart is going to swap back in once he returns to full health. Interesting. Interesting. I might have to catch a little bit of that and see how he does. Um, that'll be a, that'll be. A good I think game. he's going to score a hat-trick tonight. <laughs> you sure well, hope he does, right? He might be on the fourth line by the end of the night. So. Right. <laughs> I know how that feels. <laughs> he's had he's had Carter, uh, Coach Sutter, I'm speaking of, had Carter skating with Clifford and Lewis the last two games. So go figure. Really? Oh yeah, LeCavier wow. was centering the the seventies line, if you will, with Toffoli and Pearson and, and Carter's bump back skating with Cliffy and Lewis. And then uh, of course they moved wow. that around and then Le Cavier was skating with uh with Brown and Shore and I he you know, Sutter's just a, a line blender. He doesn't he he'll change him every shift if he wants to. So I know how that feels. <laughs> So here we yeah. go, headed down the stretch. Uh, I think 14 games left on the Ducks roster. Uh, going with the Rangers tonight. Um, how are we going to see it out the playoffs? If you were, if you were, if you were calling it right now, um, do they catch the Kings and win the division? Um, Put you on the spot. I think it's going to be difficult. Well, just because they're, they're back four points. And I don't know. I think that the Kings are playing well. I do think they're dipping a little bit, but four points is kind of tough to make up when you're in the same division. And I think they're going to play each other one more time. Last week of the season. I'm not too sure about that. Yeah, last week of the season, they go head up. That could be a huge game. Yeah, Thursday, but, Thursday April seventh yeah. in in uh, in uh, in LA. April seventh. Yeah. April seventh, Thursday uh, in LA. Oh wow, <laughs> that one might be for the the division. Who knows? It sure might. It sure might. So, so the, do they have it? Obviously, they've got it all together. Um, we always put you on the spot. They've they've advanced one round farther than they were the previous year. The last three years, doing that this year puts them in the Stanley Cup final. Is the trend continue? And do the Ducks go on and play for the Cup this year? You know what? I think so. I think that this, if any, if any year they could do it, I think this is the one. And there's a couple of reasons for that. I think that LA, while they're, they're still doing, you know, LA things, being at one of the top defensive teams, uh, really shutting other teams down. Andre Kopitar is playing fantastic. I just don't really fear this LA team like I have one, other ones in the past. And part of that is just, you know, they got guys like Le Cavalier, Rob Scuderi, Chris Versteeg, just Luke Shen. There's just a couple question marks that I have with them that I sort of haven't had in the past. And, you know, the fact that they're such a strong system team, 
I think that that sort of mitigates for that lack of talent. But, you know, I, I do think that the Kings are a bit more flawed than they have been in the past. And then I also think Chicago, um, you know, they're, they're still a fantastic team and they're a team to be feared in the West. But again, um, this, of all the, of all the teams that they've had since the 09, the first cup in 09, this is actually the one that's had the worst, uh, scoring chance differential. And that's kind of interesting when you think about it because you would, you could argue that this might be the best one on paper. And yet, uh, it just hasn't shaken out that way, uh, you know, statistically. So I look at, I look at the, the field, so to speak, and I think that the, the Ducks of all teams seem to have the less, the least amount of flaws. And so why not? I think that this is the year that they make it to the cup final. Now, I don't know. It depends who they play once they get there, but I definitely think that, uh, getting there is, is definitely the realm of possibility. But that being said, you know, in a seven game series, anything can happen. And if they run into a, a, a reincarnated 2012 Jonathan Quick, then it, it might be Ooh. difficult. But yeah, I mean, I think this is it. This is the year. All right, man. Well, thank you again for coming back. Um, this one looks like it's been going along real smooth. So, uh, I'm going to go ahead and put this one on the top of the list and we'll try and get it produced and, and posted up by the end of the week here and uh, let you get your followers on Twitter something to listen to. Uh, we appreciate you coming back in. And, and again, good job. Good job. Yeah, thanks well, so much. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me back. I mean, uh, I was hoping I'd get an invite after that <laughs> that calamity of a first a first tryout, so I'm glad I got the second call. <laughs> oh, big time, big Absolutely. time. Well, definitely, when, when the Kings and Ducks get together in the playoffs, we'll definitely have you back. Yeah. We oh, like, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think it's going to happen. <laughs> we like to do uh, little we'll, – we'll pick a couple series in each round. Obviously, we can't do a show on every series in the first round, but uh, when the – <laughs> when the teams start getting eliminated, we like to bring people in and just do playoff previews specific to the series. And uh, should should that happen, and it looks like it's, you know, if everything goes the way both you and I hope it does, there'll be a, a at some point in time there'll be a matchup there, Kings Ducks. We'll definitely reach out to you again, and we'll talk some playoffs, and uh, hopefully there won't be any injuries to discuss, and we'll have a real good real good series there. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to it. All right, Felix. You guys can catch Felix Sicard on Twitter at Felix underscore Sicard, S-I-C-A-R-D. And Ducks fans listening in, go ahead and go ahead and fo- give him a follow. And uh, you could also catch him at the Hockey Writer on Twitter. Um, he covers the Ducks there. So if you want to read content, real good content about the Ducks, make sure you give him a follow and look him up on the Hockey Writers. Felix, thanks again, sir. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you down the road. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Thanks, Felix. Bye. Well, Chris, another winner there. This time, I, th- I think we're going to be able to get it get it uh, smoothed out. No hiccups there. And uh, another great job by Felix. Covered a lot of the same things yeah, that, that nobody else got to listen to, but... Uh, for that respect, I'm glad he was able to come back on and and give us another show and and hopefully yeah no man absolutely Kings Ducks would be a heck of a second round, wouldn't it? It's not impossible that it would be the first round, but I I would say it's unlikely. Unlikely, um, but you never know. You know, you never know. I mean, you know, sure. a couple teams play decent, pretty good to decent, and for that reason. Sharks had a hot streak. I, I'm not sure of the Sharks' schedule down the stretch. But, it, you know, that's from a math standpoint, it's not impossible. Well, the Sharks' next five games, they've got the Coyotes twice. So if they're going to make a jump, it'll be this week. Yeah, you're right. And they get the Rangers once, so you're hoping they they have a 0-for-3 oh, yeah. California I'm, trip, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm California dreaming this week. <laughs> well, let me get out to a break, Chris. We'll... Uh, We'll wrap it up here with one more segment. Uh, kind of, there's some news on on expansion that we hadn't covered in the first segment that we'll get to um, here right after the break. We'll be right back. Hello, hockey fans, and thanks for listening to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Make sure you check out all our episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and HockeyTalkRadio.us, the Internet's first 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week, all-hockey-talk radio format streaming station. Check it out. 
Okay, hockey fans, we're back for one more segment. Thanks again to Felix Sicard. Uh, always good to talk with Felix, and hopefully there'll be a King-Ducks matchup there for us to sink our teeth into later on in the year here. Uh, great job by him, just like last time. Unfortunately, we weren't able to make heads or tails out of it. We had some audio difficulties, so Felix was good enough to come back in. Give him a follow if you're a Ducks fan or, or a West Coast hockey fan he has he has good articles he's a good writer and you can get him at the hockey writers uh but uh let's move on we're kind of going to change change format we're going to do our around the league segment third this time because time constraints on when felix was able to join us so uh first of all though uh chris has been beating the beating the drum here dragging up some some guests for the next couple weeks who we got coming in chris well, next we get uh, just like a great show with Felix today. Next week we have we're bringing Andrew Forbes back. Uh, he covers the Maple Leafs, and he's also right recently at the Hockey Writers a lot of great articles on uh, this upcoming draft uh, player profile. So we'll we'll tap into him what he's thought of the the Maple Leafs moves that up to the deadline. They have, I believe, like thirteen draft picks. So what his view is on that, as well as the draft as kind of like a big-picture look. And then the following week, we'll, uh, we have another great guest, Russ Cohen, uh, on Twitter. He's at Sportsology. Uh, he is uh, a guy who he's one of the main uh, hosts on the Hockey Buzz podcast. He also has a show on Sirius, on Hockey Prospects. He's also a hockey author, so uh, we're going to really, uh, at that point, the draft and lottery will be around the corner, so we'll we'll go hot and heavy with him on the draft, uh, as well as the salary cap, he's a very, very tuned in guy, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, I, I consider him like an NHL insider, so uh, really excited for, uh, for these shows, we've, we've all been very blessed with the guests that we've had. Well, that's thanks to you, like I was just telling you in between segments there that's uh your forte is programming and guest acquisition because you, i i gotta say here for everybody chris is the guy that that uh hounds hounds the the internet and and brings in all these guys that are doing i mean you got to give it up this show is really about our guests and the teams that they cover more so much more so than about me or or even chris too so chris Chris jumped on board, joined the show, and he's really done a great job of being a, a program director and a, and a guest consultation and taking care of all those things for me as I've been getting busier and busier uh, in my private life, in my day job, and my familial responsibilities. Um, Chris just jumped right in. So, Chris, thank you, sir. Uh, oh, thanks for the kind words. All, 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 all I do is try and record this thing. And uh, figure out a way to get it uh, edited, washed, and, and and published, and that's that's really my only contribution. <laughs> and I hope people check out. I have two really uh, good articles this week. I'm very happy with one previewing uh, this summer's uh, unrestricted free agents, and one uh, breaking down the six teams really up against the cap going into uh, this off season. And I have in my cap, on the, uh, the, uh, the salary cap crunch article, as they call it, I have a direct quote, a direct answer, direct tweet from a question uh, I posed to Mr. Craig Button of TSN. So you don't want to miss that. Oh, no, I don't. I want to see that. <laughs> well, anyway, that's our that's our, our business plug there. But uh, moving on, today we had the GM meetings and... I think, and we kind of touched on this before, but it bears it bears saying again. When you get down to the point of selecting and and creating rules for an expansion draft, I don't think you get that far unless you've decided to expand. Now, I I put out ten or twelve retweets on the at uh, Vegas Hockey Pod Twitter feed today from uh sportsbook radio brian blessing uh 
he was he a previous guest on the show. He's a local radio guy, but he also did in studio work for the Buffalo Sabers for years and years back on the old Empire State uh, Network. And he 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 put out a lot of good stuff. I, I one thing, the expansion rules that they talked about today. Um, prospects, rookies, and sophomores will be exempt from from the draft. Uh, players will either, and I don't think this is decided, I think this is the either-or combination. They're down to being able to protect one goalie and eight skaters or one goalie, three defensemen, and seven forwards. So I guess it, it comes down to, I mean, it might come down to how many teams they decide to expand with if Quebec City is uh, granted a franchise. I think I think pretty sure Vegas is going to be announced at or before the NHL awards show here. Um, just my feeling. But, but also important to know from what, what I read is if one team comes in, each, each team would only lose one player. Right, if right. If two teams come in, each team. So it's not like a team that is very deep is going to get rated. I mean, if it's just Vegas, then everyone's going to lose one player. If it's Vegas and Quebec, then everyone's going to lose two players. So, um, you know, that's important. I think it's important to note. Sure, sure. And then also I saw another report, and this one might have been speculation. I'm trying to find it. But anyway, they were talking about where the uh, – because also remember they'll be in the amateur draft that year as well too and the way that they reconfigured the ping-pong balls – where they might have the the first lottery drawing and then put ping pong balls for the expansion team uh, into that second lottery drawing. So they're yeah. What I, what I can say, what I can say is good news for Vegas uh, and hopefully for our fans in Quebec is I read an article today uh, um, uh, this afternoon on from the Canadian Press and basically the the league wants this. Uh, what, this, uh, these expansion or expansion teams, team or teams, to be very competitive out of the gate. They they want to do that for their fan base, for their city. So that means, you know, they, they want them to get good players off the protection list, off the expansion draft, and that will also mean good news in terms of slotting them for, for that first draft. They're not going to bury them. Uh, you know, they want them to get good players. So, uh, and come out of the gates being competitive. So I think that's, that's good news uh, for fans, and uh, especially in Vegas. Well, yeah, I, th- and hopefully- I think, uh, and I, I got that impres- impression from Mr. Foley at one of the meet and greets he did last summer. We uh, had a chance to chat for a minute. And what what he thinks and what obviously would be in the best interest of the National Hockey League as well as the franchise in Las Vegas is that – Obviously, it's an untraditional market. Obviously, the 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 other <laughs> Southwest team down here hasn't fared quite so well. Um, the what you don't want to do is have all the excitement and then pull an Ottawa and wait nine years to get into the playoffs. Now, Mr. Foley is on record saying that his goal is is playoffs in three years uh, deep into the playoffs or contend for a cup within eight years. And he also was pretty adamant saying that he's going to be a cap team. He's not going to be middling on the money at this point in, in things. So to set the system up to grab a new fan base, I think it's, I mean, it's got to be on, on part of the discussion that obviously the league wouldn't want to shift um, and not to disrespect Toronto, but you don't want to field a roster that is going to perform as well as Toronto has this year. <laughs> that's that's not one thing Vegas is 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 about winning. Um, and you don't you don't want to give that product to fans who may be going to their first live hockey game. Um, Matt Pryor said it. You know, Matt Pryor said it well. If you're going to lose, lose exciting. 
<laughs> at, at least do that. Right. So go ahead. Uh, you you also brought up a good point to me uh, offline today, Mark, uh, Mark, when um, you mentioned that players that have a no-movement clause, you have to get their permission to be exposed. So the But then I thought about that, what you just, about that, and if you don't get their permission, then you have to protect them. So, for instance, uh, this is off the top of my head, uh, for instance, the Rangers uh, have Rick Nash, who I am like 90% certain has a full... Uh, and no mo- a movement clause. Right. And he signed for two more years at a very big cap number. Uh, at the time of the expansion draft, he would have one more year left at a big cap number. Now, you know that the Rangers would much rather prefer to protect a bunch of other of their younger players. But unless he agrees to that, oh, you can expose me, um, he, he would have to be protected. And I only bring him up because I, I don't know everyone's all uh, no movement clauses, but that could be a factor. Those no movement clause players, if they, you know, don't refuse to go, uh, uh, who say, no, I'm not waiving it, it could wind up on certain teams exposing players they'd rather not expose. For sure, for sure. That's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah, I just thought thought of that. So, uh, uh, you know, and I, I wonder, too, if you might see a bit more trading between this summer and leading into the trade deadline yeah. of teams that are deep and uh, you know willing to move certain players because they're like, well, I'm willing to throw this guy in the deal because I'm going to lose him in the expansion draft anyway. That's a good point too, especially right around the draft. That'll be that'll be something. Right, but 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 again, keep in mind. Keep in mind. Let's say it just winds up being Vegas, and we hope. That's not the news for our fans right. out in Quebec. But if it just wanted to, each team would only lose one player. So it's, you know, like, you know, if you're a team, a fan of a team, and they have a deep team, you would only lose one. So, uh, you know, it's not, that's a very important point. Right. Nobody's, we can't go in and, and cherry pick the Blackhawks, for instance. <laughs> right. You, yeah. You're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to raid the deep teams. Right. Uh, in the league, and then also keep yeah, in mind there's there's some pretty good free agents that are going to be available, and Nevada doesn't have a state tax, so if it if it came, down, uh, Brad, I know Brad Marchand, I know Brad Marchand's contract, he's a UFA next season. So if they get a good a good haul in the expansion draft, and then they stock the cupboard with some good young players picking third or fourth or fifth overall, and then you go into free agency. And put it this way, if you offer somebody a million-dollar contract, well, if the Kings or the Ducks or the Sharks offered them the same contract, their net pay would be $160,000 higher in Las Vegas because California has a 16% state income tax and Nevada has no state income tax. So even for the same dollar amount we can offer players, to them – and whatever the other state income taxes are around the country, but they're all pretty high. Um, well, I think also keep in mind, Mark, that they're going to be in a position to uh, they're going to have tremendous cap flexibility, and most teams don't. So there might be a couple, uh, a few teams out there that approach, let's say Vegas, and say, "Look, I have this player; he's a bit overpriced cap wise." But, you know, he's still a really good player. You have plenty of cap room. I'm looking for, you know, a prospect couple of draft picks. And a pick. And, 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 or a prospect or, you know, at that point. And they could obtain, you know, they'll, they'll have plenty. And especially if it's a player that's, let's say, signed for the next three years. We're not talking about someone signed for the next five, six, seven years. That could be another avenue of for them to go back, go about, add a player and take advantage of, the cap flexibility that they will have that many teams that many teams won't. So I, I you know, I, I think that I think there's a good chance that, that they they could be uh, 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 definitely a competitive team out of the shoot. Yep. 
Well, you tell you what, we just burned the whole segment, so we're going to have to come back. We wanted to talk a little bit about the wild card races coming down. Hello, the hockey fans, and thanks so for listening we'll to the Vegas right Hockey back. Podcast. Make sure you check out all our episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and HockeyTalkRadio.us. The Internet's first 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week, all-hockey-talk radio format streaming station. Check it out. And we're back from the break. Um, We were just talking a little bit in between breaks like we always do. And uh, throwing around, throwing around uh, other cities, other other stuff that's going on, and we're fully on record in print and on the air, uh, hoping that Quebec City and also Seattle gets gets their crack at the National Hockey League. And I know yesterday there was a, a public hearing on the Soto Arena project there. And from what I saw on Twitter, there was hundreds and hundreds of people in line waiting to get in and register and speak to the city council there. But that brings up um, why I think Las Vegas has the strongest bid of, of anybody that applied. And this the whole Soto Arena is dependent on the city council in Seattle approving to release uh, a couple hundred million dollars to get the project out of the ground. There was a memorandum of understanding for people that don't know that was passed by the city council that those funds would only be available if an NBA team returned to Seattle, which uh, Commissioner Silver has said they have no plans to expand or relocate any teams at this time. So they're what they've been trying to do is get investors to put the private money up or rewrite that memorandum of understanding to include an NHL first scenario to where and the NHL if just just to sum it up real quick if the NBA says they're going to come they get i believe it's it's 200 million to to offset the ownership group and if an NHL team comes they get another 120 million for the cost of the arena out of the city but that ties you to the city, and we've seen um, south south of me here in Vegas, down in Arizona, being tied to the city with your arena deal just isn't a good idea, um, especially with that kind of just general feeling uh, where the city is so dependent on the NBA first scenario that that it's almost like they're treating the NHL as second fiddle. And I don't know much, but Gary Bettman won't be played second fiddle. I'll say that right now. Um, that being said, he'd love to have a franchise over there. But like, like you were saying, Chris, um, they're five years away from having an NHL-ready arena. Um that's four years minimum by the time the the whole city council thing works out and the funds are available and there's some weird taxes that you get into with that and i've read most of that document um i'm i'm not a scholar or a lawyer but it seemed kind of odd that they they raise the taxes on the arena until that money is paid back to the city but then it's still the city's property um that percentage of that arena would still be maintained and owned by the city even after the initial funds were paid back through raised taxes on concessions and arena facilities. Um, just, just there's a lot, there's there's a lot of work to do in Seattle. Go ahead, Chris. I think for the fans of Seattle, like our our buddy uh, Otto and Paul Rogers, uh, give them a shout out there. Sure. Um, the the biggest thing that they have to, I think what's going to happen is they're going to make this announcement with expansion, if it's, and I'm, I'm like 99.9% sure Vegas is in, it's up in the air about Quebec, what they decided to do with them, and then once that is decided what the game plan is, then Seattle is going to be very high on the NHL offices' agendas, and I think they'll get more involved in trying to make it work up there, so I think that's going to be a big benefit for hockey coming to Seattle. But there's a lot of work to be done. They have to find an ownership group that uh, is backed with money. They have to get going on in the building, and 
there's a lot of work to be done. So I think you're probably looking at best case scenario, what, 2020, 2021 season kind of thing. Right. Uh, you know, so we'll see. And I just want to make a real quick point on Quebec. What we don't know, and which is kind of unfair uh, to Quebec, is there a franchise, and the NHL, of course, would never tell us, nor should they, is there a fran- current franchise that they're really worried about right now? And uh, uh, in terms of, I don't think this market's going to make it. And that, if, if so, then that team, they could say, that could team can go to Quebec. Kinda and that might, that might take Similar to Winnipeg. That might hinder, yeah, that might hinder uh, Quebec being named now for expansion. Uh, plus, with the Canadian dollar situation, although it has crept up a bit. So, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, I don't want to just, you know, obviously, I think Carolina's less in attendance. Uh, you know, people have questioned, and I feel bad because, you know, as a, as a fan of a team that, uh, there were some sometimes we we'll here on the island. We thought we were going to lose our team, so I'm very sensitive to that. Me but too. I don't know the answer to that question. So you know that's something to watch out for. Before we go on and on, though, maybe we should wrap up with the wild card races on the on the last spots that are up for grabs uh, in the East uh, as we go into action tonight, Wednesday the 16th. Uh, you got the Red Wings with a one-point lead over the Flyers for that last wild-card spot, although the Flyers have two games in hand. Uh, interesting to note, the Flyers um, go to uh, Detroit the last week of the season, and then out west, uh, the Wild and uh, Minnesota Wild and Avalanche are even in games played at 70, and the Wild have a one point advantage so um and they play each other one more time as well i believe that's next weekend uh, i want to say it's uh, the 26th and that's in colorado so uh i think the west is pretty straightforward it's either going to be unless those two teams which really have not been piling up the points um but uh you know it's either going to be the wild or colorado the East is a little bit more complicated because, you know, even though they probably won't make the playoffs, you know, the Hurricanes are only, uh, I think, they're two or three points behind the Flyers. Even you can make a case for Ottawa. So if one of those teams just went on a, on a great stretch, uh, not to mention that, uh, you know, the, the Penguins, even though they've been playing really good hockey, uh, they just beat the Islanders in a shootout last night. They beat the Rangers at the Garden game before. Um, they're only four points ahead of the Flyers, who are in the ninth spot right now. So uh, things are a little bit more up in the air in the East versus the West. The West, it's really, uh, is it the Wild or is it the Avalanche? Whereas the East, uh, there's more, more things in motion. I will, I will say I got to, I got to pat myself on the back because when we had Matt Pryor on and he was talking about uh, his playoff prediction formula that he uses and he had he had counted the flyers out in our last conversation with him and that was the one team i i challenged him a little bit on i said well if anybody in the east that's on your list is going to make a run it's going to be the flyers and uh if the flyers get in i'm gonna have to get matt back on just for a little a little uh recap of that with him um well keep uh, in mind they got Flyers got two games in hand on Detroit. They're only one point back. Um, that's important. Right. One of those games in hand is is tonight in Chicago. So they stay. They go to Chicago. Uh, then they <laughs> they're in a tough stretch here. They go to Chicago. Then they're home to the Penguins. Then they're at the Islanders. Then they go on a three game road trip to Columbus, Colorado, and Arizona. Home to Winnipeg, home to Washington, home to Ottawa, at Pittsburgh, at Detroit, Ouch. Toronto, and then Ugh. and then Pittsburgh at home. So, not an easy schedule there. Right. And um, you know they they got they got Pittsburgh a couple of times. Oh, and I'm sorry. And then they have the makeup game. The last game of the season for them is Sunday, April 10th. They're at the Islanders. So is that they the play Blizzard? the Islanders two more times. Yes. Yeah, they play the Islanders two more times. They play well. They ought to be able to, it or they, not. They ought to be able to handle the Islanders pretty easy, right? Yeah, <laughs> believe it or not, they play the Penguins three more times. That could that could be a, a big difference maker right there. 
Uh, they played six points up here. Six points up in the air, and those are four point uh, games. So you could, uh, ooh, a lot of action. Yeah, so that's you know, they you know that so that's something uh you know that's not an easy schedule. Colorado, Uh, Minnesota. Yeah, you know, Colorado, Minnesota. They both got seventy games played. Um, Right, so they both have twelve left. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna put. That's just a brutal schedule for Philly. If they make it in the playoffs, they they darn well deserve it. Um, I almost I almost think Colorado, since the outdoor games, kind of found a little something something. Uh, I think that was good for that team. Um, it was fantastic to watch, but I think they've been playing really good. Since I know Min- I know Minnesota has a bit a little bit favorable schedule over Colorado. I don't know if you're going to put so me on I the spot. If you put me on the spot, I'm going to say Colorado makes it. They're a little bit more. They're a little bit more bred for the regular season with their brand of hockey. They're fun to watch. They're fast. They take chances um, up and down the ice. I, I think they're more bred to be successful in the regular season. Minnesota's definitely a built for playoff type club, and I don't know. I just don't. Felix was a little. Well, I Felix you, was a little bit higher on Minnesota than I think both you and me are. Yeah, I got to tell you though, real quick, Mark. Uh, the next three games are critical because what they have after that, they're on the road, but they go to Vancouver, Calgary, and Edmonton, and all those teams are they a got, lottery team. Yeah, they, got they have to win all three. Yep. Then after that, they have the Flyers at home, the Wild at home. They're at Nashville. They're at St. Louis. The home to the Capitals. The home to the Blues. They're at Nashville. They're at Dallas, and then they host the Ducks. That is a brutal, mm. brutal final nine games. Yeah, I mean, uh, they are playing the worst team they're playing. There are the Flyers, and who are going to be hungry, battling I for mean, their own playoff lives. Yeah, that, that is a brutal good time of year. It is. 10, 12 that's games brutal, that's what I mean. Minnesota, Minnesota has definitely more of a favorable schedule. They do play the Hawks uh, two more times, I believe. Yes, they play the Hawks two more times. And um, after that, though, their schedule's much, much friendlier. But they've been struggling. They've been playing non-playoff teams lately. And the Wild have either gone overtime and won or gone overtime and lost like they did last night in Ottawa. So... Uh, you know, these teams are two decent teams, but um, anything's possible. Uh, I will say that uh, Chicago and St. Well, Chicago better look up, but Dallas and St. Louis better look out because the way the Kings and Anaheim are charging, uh, Dallas and St. Louis could end up third and fourth in the Western Conference. Um, Kings only two points back now after back-to-back five goal outbursts on the road against the Blackhawks and the Dallas Stars. Sorry, Matt. And obviously Anaheim's just smoking hot, so Dallas and St. Louis better keep their foot on the gas. They're gonna be looking up at the the Pacific Division's best here in a in a week or two, I'll have to tell you that. Anyway, Chris, we are Yeah, no, it's uh a lot of, a lot of the fight. We are out of time, buddy. Um I got to run, and, okay. and we got to get this out. I'm, I'm going to do my best, Felix, to get this out for you here. And uh, I'm going to put a deadline on Friday. I'm having this posted by Friday, and and I'm going to see, see it through. So new episode Friday. I got to get off of this and, and, and get the Washington Capitals episode up. I just finished editing that. Um, you guys will hear that before this. So uh, two episodes this week. I promise you. <laughs> Sounds great. Chris, it's been fun. As always, we got to run. I will talk to you soon, buddy. Thanks for coming. You got it. All right, buddy. Talk to you later. And All right. we're gone.